there are people that won't believe this and there are people that believe that school shootings are hoaxes by the government and that the Holocaust never happened and that these things that we can see and have all of this proof and evidence never happened. And in my case, there is proof and evidence. And I can only tell the story of what I know. And what I know is this happened to me. Hi there, I'm Jen Dean. And this is The Gardenia Project, a podcast where I talk with women about the things that have happened to them that have changed their lives. And those things, most often, are the things we try really, really hard not to talk about, but I'm really not that kind of girl. And I've found that there's a lot of other people out there who are like me. We want to be honest. Actually, I personally think we're begging for honesty right now, for truth, for someone to hear us, to shake their head as they listen, you know, so we feel heard and valued and believed. Today's interview, well, it's a particularly tough one. And I am going to ask, first of all, that if you have little ears in the room, you may want to choose to listen to this later because you don't want the kids asking about this stuff. In general, I'm going to put out a strong warning for the grown-ups that this could be a story that's really triggering for many of you. Anyone who's experienced sexual or physical abuse, just know that we're going to be talking about that today. When I met Sarah for the first time, she was just the sweetest, most bubbly person in the room. She has a giant smile and she flashes it frequently. She runs a thriving coaching business and has worked for over a decade as a communications consultant in military mental health. Her presence is easy and relaxing. She's genuinely just a happy, kind person, and honestly the last person I would have ever guessed that this would have happened to. I feel like the state of the world has a lot of darkness and a lot of fear right now, and that can escalate if we feed it. And it sounds so cheesy, but it's truly my belief is that light is larger and we can heal together, but we've got to know what happened to one another. We have to get vulnerable. We have to start showing those scars in order to say, yeah, you know, me too. And you're going to be okay. How do you even start talking about this? Like, do you warn people ahead of time if you say it too nonchalantly it's a little strange if you say it with drama it's a little strange like it's a hard topic so um so i've learned to just kind of preface that some people are familiar with in the 80s and the early 90s there was a, a scare across the country of children being abused in their daycares and it got widespread media attention i am one of those children I am a survivor of ritualistic sexual abuse that happened through my daycare and my church. And I'm a survivor. That's, that's the first part of starting. This is a piece of my life. It doesn't define who I am. It's affected who I am, but it's not who I am. I'm supposed to summarize for you what happened in the 1980s and 1990s with 
um, this despicable scandal that rocked our country. Ritualistic sexual abuse. I don't feel like I can do that. I did some reading and it is really messed up and scary and sad. It divided our nation with those that believed and those that didn't. There were multiple court cases and it was really ugly. And really, none of those details matter for those of us listening. The fact is, it involves sexual abuse, pornography, and torture of kids in daycares and churches. It was covered up by the churches and there are still people that deal with that trauma every day. Sarah is one of them. It happened starting when I was an infant um, up until when I was three years old. The abuse that happened was both physical um, and mental, uh, a lot of brainwashing. And so I grew up in those key developing years with this beautiful, loving family and going to daycare and getting tortured, essentially. And so the development of my brain was very messaged with, if you ever tell, um, your family will be killed, um, your house will be burned down, we'll kill you. Worse than being killed, I'd be alone. You know, I have a memory of being in a dog cage and that's really dark. And yet that's not my worst memory. My worst memory is being told I was unlovable and I deserved it. And I believed that, I believed it. Um, and I believed that if I told anyone, really bad things would happen. Somehow I was able to express to my parents what was happening in a way for them to figure it out without ever saying the words. The night I finally found a way to tell, um, I had experienced probably the worst of what had happened. I had actually been at a sleepover. Some of the memories have come back as an adult um, and it was bad, it was really bad. And so my mom says that when I came home, they knew something was different. I was different. I looked shell-shocked. Um, I looked I looked like something had happened. When they said, we're going to call the police, I panicked. And I started screaming and saying, they can't. And so they called the sheriff. And so as a three-year-old, that slight difference in words was enough for me to be like, okay, that's going to be okay. Like, I know the red flag words, police don't tell. Um, sheriff, no one ever mentioned a sheriff. I just have the most amazing parents because they believed me, they heard me, and they were able to communicate back in a way that kept me safe. I believe that my abusers underestimated me. Yeah, they underestimated me. I think if they knew that I was going to tell, I wouldn't, I would not be breathing today. You would not be sitting in this room with me. Um, I would have disappeared. And they were capable of that. I went into intense therapy at three years old. Um, I, you know, I was there a couple days a week. Um, my therapist was an angel. We still stay in touch. I've called her recently just to give her an update on my life. It's pretty rare, but we every once in a while check in. Um, and she saved my life. I was there from the age of three till 10, um, and I saw her consistently. I believe a direct result of the trauma is a plethora of physical and mental 
issues that I have. And so I have um, migraines, chronic pain, fibromyalgia, endometriosis on the physical side. And on the mental side, I have um, PTSD, which is an obvious one, um, anxiety, depression, and I'm a sober addict. For me, the catalyst to getting help was actually a failed relationship. It wasn't a relationship. I had started dating someone and he didn't want to date anymore. And I had this reaction that was so abnormal that even I could see it was abnormal. I was sobbing. I was on the floor. Like you would have thought we ended a 20 year marriage. And I was like, I've known this person for a couple weeks and this isn't matching. This isn't about him. This isn't about a relationship. This isn't about anything. This is something way bigger and I can't not look at it. I first think I went for my depression, and that was the first step in getting help as an adult. Um, I then got sober, um, and then in my early 30s, as I was sober, a lot of new memories started flooding back. Memories that just hit me left field. I couldn't even differentiate, like, is this really real? Like, this is so absurd. And so I went into trauma treatment at that point. The really cool thing, which doesn't sound cool to people, I haven't experienced something like this. Um, as I would share, you know, what I had experienced in therapy, there was actual proof in the notes that were taken when I was three of the same thing. And um, in a moment when my mom looked at me and she was like, that's what you were trying to explain. When you're, you know, 32 and you're laying in bed shaking, running your feet up a wall, you feel like a crazy person. Like, there are a lot of moments where I'm like, is, am I crazy? And, um, you know, my therapist always has the best response of, you're not crazy, trauma is crazy. Because there's so many times that I'm looking at this stuff and I'm having the natural reaction we have. And yet, I feel like I'm the one that's done something wrong. Like, I'm, there's something, this is just not right. And will I be the crazy person? I think that's the biggest fear. Probably. I, I can speak to that. <laughs> I think that's the fear of everyone, right. right? Oh, yeah. And for me, it was so, so ingrained that I wasn't worthy of a good life that... I, I got in bad relationships. I, I had alcoholism. I had this stuff. And I thought that that was the life I was worthy of. Despite the fact that I had these amazing therapists, I had amazing parents, you know, I couldn't come from a more loving home and family. Everyone's just so loving and amazing. And I could have all of that and still feel worthless. Because my true belief and why doing this podcast is so huge is that if I use my voice, no one will love me. If I share my story, I'm alone. And that's very ingrained in me. And I have worked really hard to, I don't think uningrained is a word, <laughs> but um, release that. It's a common thread in humanity is we feel worthless for some reason. And you don't have to have been locked in a cage to feel that way. It's, you know, someone just mentioning it or an abusive partner or, you know, getting bullied in high school. It's any point at which changed you to think, I'm not, I'm not worth this life. I'm not worth this life in a happy way. Yeah. 
when my anxiety picks up, my PTSD triggers pick up. There are times where I will get up in the middle of the night and go make sure the doors are locked. I will go check the stove three times to make sure that the gas light's not on. Um, I call my mom randomly. It's happening a lot less, but it still happens where I ask if she still loves me. It's a seed that, you know, I, it's, it's there. I've come to the point in my life where I would rather check the doors and check the stove and make the phone call than live in my head, analyzing it and beating myself up, shaming myself. I can't believe you have to go check the doors. Like you're such, again, crazy person. Obviously they're locked. Like I could play that tape and that internal dialogue, or I could just get out of bed at 3 a.m., check and get back in bed and go to sleep. So much easier of a way to live for me. So what I am happy with is managing my symptoms in a way that works for me. And that's freedom. So I try to limit my time on social media. And during the Kavanaugh hearings, um, I, I disconnected a lot because um, the times I didn't disconnect, I was basically in the fetal position, like just not okay. It was not okay. And to watch a woman publicly come forward and share her truth with not being able to clarify the details because she was young and sit in front of people yelling at her and telling her she was lying to me is it's too close to home and her bravery and her courage I mean Dr. Ford to me is a superhero and she always will be like mm-hmm. she did not have to do that she did not have to put herself out there and it would have been a lot easier of a life to not and it's the same question I've asked myself even coming to do this podcast of are you making your life more difficult by going public and so I opened Facebook to see a live video of a group of people that took a bus overnight from Maine to be in DC to meet Senator Collins. And they're walking down the hall silently with an arm raised. There was no commotion. There was no chanting. There was nothing like really spoken. I saw these people walking down the hall with their hands in the air and I just started crying. I felt like for the first time, I don't have to fight alone. Like I don't have to, I don't even have to fight anymore. There was so much of my life that I felt like I had to, I had to be the voice. And even as a child, when I came forward, I, this is where I'm gonna cry. I've had to live with love for the last 33 years that there were other children that went through exactly what I went through. And I was the one that told, and most of those children did not get help. And I have to walk with knowing that my abusers are still active in that church. And that most likely this has happened for the past 33 years to other people. And living with that, there's survivor guilt of why me? And there's also just the like, I wanna go save everyone. And I can't, I've done what I can do. And so to see a group of people standing up for a woman who was speaking out and speaking her truth and doing that fight for her while all she did was tell her story was the most beautiful thing I could possibly imagine. (laughs) 
there are people that won't believe this and there are people that believe that school shootings are hoaxes by the government and that the Holocaust never happened and that these things that we can see and have all of this proof and evidence never happened. And in my case, there is proof and evidence. And I can only tell the story of what I know. And what I know is this happened to me. Do you feel like justice has been served? Absolutely not. I feel that we did everything in our power at that point to try to get justice. And yet, after many years with the intricacies of the court system and just exhaustion on the part of my family, really, at that point, when you're continuing to live in the trauma, it's hard to move on. And so um, we ended up settling the case, but I don't feel like justice was ever served. I mean, there is a phase where I was definitely very angry, very angry, and I think it would be weird if I didn't have that phase where I, you know, definitely thought about ways to get revenge and, you know, those plots we have in our head and, and thoughts of going back to court as an adult. And so I've looked at all of that. And to me, at the end of the day, it's, it's not about serving them justice. And so while it is not fair, it's not my life journey to, to make it fair. My life journey is to just live a really good life the way that extreme trauma recalculated me was to see that there was really horrible things in the world and that at any moment something bad can happen. And yet on the opposite end of that, there is such beauty. I'm obsessed with clouds. They are so fascinating because they come in all different shapes and sizes and they move and the colors. And I look up and I say, thank you. And I love fall because the leaves are dancing in the wind and I stop and I look at it and I say thank you. I don't know who I'm thanking, perhaps myself. Belief. Belief in yourself. Not in that cheesy self-help quote you read on Instagram kind of way, but true belief in your own goodness, that you are deserving of love, that it doesn't matter what other people think of you. It matters what you think of you, how you treat yourself. Man, I feel like I got the key to life. (laughs) I, I believe you, Sarah, and I see you. And all of you out there who have never told your story because you think no one will believe you, I believe you. And there are many, many more of us out there that also believe you. And many more of us are starting to say it out loud. Now I believe that's where the healing begins. Thank you, Sarah, for believing in yourself and sharing that with the rest of us. A huge thank you, as always, goes out to Stephanie Cohn, who takes these interviews and helps me figure out the best way to tell the story. She's totally amazing. A thank you to Keith Kenneth, of Unseen Music for the theme music, as well as Blue Dot Sessions for additional music. If you love the podcast, well, first of all, thank you for listening and for sharing it with your friends. I am currently taking applications for new stories. You can head over to Jen Dean Photography online to find the application, as well as the portraits I took of the beautiful and laughter-filled Sarah. 
If you wanted to support the podcast and help me pay Stephanie to produce these stories, you can do that um, over on Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Give me just a few dollars a month. All those dollars add up and um, it's really awesome. Stephanie loves getting paid. I love getting the notes from you and your help. You can also advertise your business here on the podcast. We are working currently with new advertising advertisers to get them recorded and on here, and I'm really excited about that. You can find the information for that on the website as well. And Okay, deep breath. That is all the things I have to say for now. I'll see you next time. <laughs>